Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lou Weiss from Manufacturing Talk Radio. And I have here today is Mark Lilly, who's uh, CEO and president of Lilly Works. Um, I guess you named the company after your family name. That's right. That definitely is. Uh, you can't fool me. <laughs> okay, so Lilly Works is about uh, manufacturing and scheduling and not being late for the customer is one thing you don't want to do is be late and overpriced. So, Mark, why don't you give us a little insight into what Lily Works is more about than what I just gave, and uh, we'll take it from there. Sounds good, Lou. Um, thanks for having me on this afternoon. Um, yeah, the uh, the team behind Lily Works, and and actually you mentioned the name. Um, essentially from my dad. My dad is Dick Lilly. He, he passed last year, but had a long history um, helping manufacturing companies. In particular, um, he started with IBM way back in the 60s, um, where he actually helped write, as a young man at the time, um, the first bill of material processor uh, for the IBM 360s and their hardware, and what, what essentially became at MRP, the first MRP systems. So that was my dad's history essentially was um, actually, he left IBM in the late 60s and started a software company that was basically one of the, one of the first MRP systems and then so on and so forth. But in, in 1980, he founded a company called ProfitKey and that was for um, small to medium um, job shops and custom manufacturers um, and had some really good, um, it had MRP and it obviously, and it also had some good scheduling. So it was one of the first systems with um, the, the traditional finite scheduling from the 70s and 80s embedded in it. Um, he then started a company called Lilly Software, which was in 1992. Now that product was called Visual Manufacturing, um, which many of your may listen, listeners may, may be using or have heard of or that sort of thing. But Visual 2 had really good, still does, it's still available in the marketplace today, um, but it has really good traditional finite scheduling embedded in it. So long story short, um, what we realized over, over the many years of helping manufacturers is that while some manufacturers could use this traditional model of finite scheduling embedded in these systems, really embedded in any system today, most struggled with it, struggled with getting the the things you might want out of a scheduling package you know out like better on time delivery right reduce lead times even simple things like like what should i work on next or when can my customer get my get their order right and and give a good prediction for that so long story short we came up with an entirely new approach um, that essentially replaces the traditional finite scheduling model and came up with something that we feel is actually quite a bit simpler, but yet much more powerful in its approach and uh, the method it utilizes to help manufacturers solve this, this late problem. So you are um, sort of the digital clipboard on how to get work done, production done, which job should be first, which job should be second, third, fourth, and so on. Is that yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great way to, you know, I've never had it put that way, but that's very that's very astute, very accurate um, what we do. 
in fact, um, one of the struggles with um, traditional, the traditional finite scheduling model, and in particular, something like the, the MES systems that are out today. Now, now an MES system doesn't necessarily really schedule. It, it's going to take whatever input you provide it, and that input is typically provided by the traditional scheduling model. So one, one of the issues is, and one of the things we address right up front is this prioritization method, right? So um, your, your traditional scheduling model, or even folks who are, who are managing scheduling on spreadsheets, which is very common today, is the, the priority tends to be the due date, right? That's a very important piece of information. That's your commitment to your customer as to when you're going to get the order to them. But from a priority standpoint, it's a, it's a very poor method, and, and here's why. Um, most manufacturers today, I would, I would fathom to guess 90, 95% of North American manufacturers are, are high mix, right? Which means they may have some orders that are due two or three months from now, right? Just based on the, the time and length of processing that it needs to get to, to get that done. Maybe it needs to go to outside processing like heat treating back, and they may have other work orders or jobs that are just due in a week or two. The problem is, if you're prioritizing by due date, you're always paying attention to those jobs that are due earlier at the expense of the ones that are due later, but that need your attention right now, so it doesn't become at risk of being late. So we've come up with a, a simple but very powerful prioritization method where just like you say, that digital clipboard publishes in real time out in production, what folks should be working on right now, not according to the due date, but rather as according to this risk level, how much in risk of being late is this job relative to the other jobs that are in that department? So two comments I have. One, if you use the term digital clipboard more than two more times, you owe me royalties. <laughs> okay. All right. Agreed. Number two, uh, I've been in manufacturing now 60 years. Uh, we have our own manufacturing plant where, where we make steel forgings at All Metals and Forge Group. Um, and one of the things that I found over the 700 shows that we've now done on Manufacturing Talk Radio is that Manufacturers, they're really good at what they do. They're good at manufacturing things. They're good at designing things. Um, there are certain things that they're, I hope I don't tick anybody off, but some things that they're not real good at, and one is marketing, but that's another show. And two is uh, scheduling, especially now in relation to um uh, supply chain problems, logistic problems, uh, material supply problems, and so on. So in your Lillyworks digital clipboard program, um, how, how does that work with the um, problems that I just brought up about logistics and, and uh, uh, supply chain and so on? Are there provisions made so that you can include that? Uh, in the program? Mm, absolutely. And, and thanks for asking that. And, and really what it comes down to is, is visibility. And this is, this is really what folks struggle with is, is they, they, 
they don't have the visibility of some of the things like we've talked about already. What what should I be working on next? But then with, within that real-time priority, you also want to be able to see, of course, well, what do I have materials for right now, right? So that could mean, and, and it depends on the type of manufacturer you are. If you're a, a material, you know, uh, if you're a complex manufacturer with many dependencies, sub-assemblies, or even where you're doing uh, assembly operations where you need, you know, not just many different purchase components, perhaps, but maybe other sub-assemblies that need to be done. Right. Having visibility of what materials do I have? When are they, when should I expect them, right? So, and, and what am I even, even simply, what am I missing right now, right? And do I have a purchase order out for it? If I do, when is that, when should I expect that? So a lot of it comes down to, to visibility. And then, of course, it's the same way with people, right? So as um, as as you know, you you may have uh, uh, you know twenty machines, but you've only got because of the people crunch, you you've only got ten folks who are who can work those. So so really, your your capacity is limited to just the number of machines that can be run by those folks. So so having visibility of that as well, and making best use of which people should be working on which jobs on which machines is is critical as well. So uh, getting back to the people side of this, uh, obviously you have to have someone who, someone or some two or three that are adding information to the program saying, okay, uh, job number four, uh, the material is going to be late. So I got to change the delivery date of the raw material or uh, on job number 82, uh, I, I don't have the tooling ready for that. That's going to be coming in such and such. So is are the suppliers at all involved with this to keep you up to date, knowing that the data that they're giving you must be going into your uh, production clipboard program? Or do you actually have a person perhaps in purchasing who has to stay on top of all of these integral parts to feed into your program so that the accuracy of uh, LilyWorks is right on? Yeah, great, great question. So uh, again, if you're if you're material if you're material heavy, so to speak, right? If materials yes. are a big part of your production environment, then then sure, you would you would want to do that now. Um, there's if uh, we we can tie into any existing ERP system, so we're making some sort of assumption that folks that maybe the folks in purchasing are to some degree hopefully maintaining those expected dates for the materials. Some some aren't, you know, some but but this will having having this tool now where you're providing that visibility out into production makes that um, more even more important to have, right? So so now that that job now on the on on the other side actually we're in the process of of creating portals for suppliers whether it's an outside service supplier like heat treat so that they can see your priorities and they can update when they expect to get that information back and then eventually through raw, raw materials as well there are some third party tools that enable that uh very nicely these days as well so, so it gets back to that visibility, whether it's internal purchasing or you're allowing your suppliers to up, update that 
bring that into the production floor so that they have visibility of what's going on as well. What about the concern of the outside vendor or third party vendor uh, maintaining the um, timeliness of updating? Yeah, that's that's clearly clearly a challenge, right? So now it now it gets back to almost a you know a, a supplier relationship management exercise, right? So um, if if you and you know some some suppliers just won't, right? I mean, if you're if you're a small manufacturer and you're dealing with a, a much bigger supplier, oftentimes they're you know they're going to tell you right versus the other way around. So um, on the other hand, um, if they're customer focused and uh, uh, then you know there there are many cases where they've um, they've seen the value in doing this for both parties and uh, and are able to, uh, to to do that for the folks. My primary business, Bow Metals and Forge Group, we have our own uh, internal uh, software program that we developed in two thousand four, and we have the, our purchasing department participates in it, our QA department participates in it, our accounting department participates in it. And the way we work this and the way we operate this is that they they must maintain the information. And mm -hmm. it's um, if they don't put the information in when it's supposed to go in, the whole process stops. The software won't move forward. So the QA manager, uh, let's say at some point he's doing inspection one. If he doesn't improve inspection one, it can't move forward. And mm -hmm. then when inspector two is going to do his inspection, well, if it's not there, he knows it's there. He knows it should be there because he's got his information and so on but it hasn't been approved by inspector one so nothing can move unless everyone is participating and moving the process along yeah and, and we have in our particular case we have about 20 25 different steps that must continue right up to billing mm -hmm. so yep. if somebody skips over what they're supposed to be doing here it can't get billed out. Yeah. Yeah. So is that something similar in your operation? Yeah, absolutely. And you're you're describing, I think, the whole business process, maybe from you know, quote, all the way through to billing. And that's Correct. fantastic. And that's that's a fantastic process you put in place there to and to give your you've given folks visibility of what's been done in the up in their previous operations so they can see do is it ready for me to be worked on yet and like you point out if material is there but it says it's it, you know it hasn't been completed yet it obviously has because material's there so so there's so you know to go back if you have an, a, an issue there same thing in our in our um, application and method where it's very production focused and that is has has material been released or kitted and then once it's in a in an in-stream operation, the idea is, and you can even see on, on the priority list in your department, you can filter it out so you can see only those um, tasks that are ready to be worked on because the previous operation has been reported complete or, or partially complete. We have found, and again, this started, our system started in 2004. 
one of the things, and this is important, I think, for a manufacturer to understand, is that this kind of uh, process, including yours, from what I'm determining, cuts down a lot of admin activity. Absolutely. Just I, we're on the same page here, and that's that's really the main point. Is is you put in the information once. And instead of having to put it in again and again and again and have opportunities for um, for for error in typing it in in different applications or spreadsheets, right. it you should put it in once and then it simply flows and that information is acted on as it moves through the process. Absolutely. And well, while while we're talking about it, why don't you give uh, your uh, uh, URL address so that. Um, our listeners can tune in to, and see what you're about on online. Yeah, terrific. Um, it's uh, lillyworks.com, L-I-L-L-Y, uh, W-O-R-K-S with an S on the end.com. And um, the name of the product is Protected Flow Manufacturing. Uh, it comes in an enterprise version. If you don't have a an ERP today, if you do have an ERP, then we have a, um, a smaller version that ties into whatever existing ERP system you have. Okay, so we, we find actually in our process that we couldn't function without it. Yeah. We've been doing this now for 16 years and there'll be no way that we can, especially now because in 16 years, our sales have, in spite of COVID, our mm. sales have grown exponentially and exponentially. And that means I'd have to hire more people and we'd have more complex uh, situations with regards to purchasing, within QA and so on. And yes, we do upgrade our program almost monthly. Somebody says, uh, we have a favorite saying around here. We say, if it can do this, can it do that? Mm -hmm. And somebody said, oh, I got an idea. Can we do that? Because we can do this. So can we do that? And yeah. so every month we're growing it. How flexible is your program? Yeah, same way. We um, we get enhancement requests when we, when we find different manufacturers um, wanting to do different things and have special applications within production. So um, yeah, we're um, constantly in hand. What's neat is when you enhance it for one customer, all, all the customers get it because it's a single cloud application. It's oh, just served up to every client. So, um, so absolutely. So do you want to buy my program? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a great tool. Um, you know, what's neat. And we, we um, spoke uh, the, when we spoke briefly the other day, um, I actually did a webinar during COVID about uh, managing production remotely. Right, and I think you expressed the same thing. You, um, you know, you were you were managing your entire business with your employees in remote offices in their home offices, essentially, Absolutely. right? Because you you have this probably without this tool, you wouldn't have been able to do that, right? No so, way. so that that's the beauty of having things, you know, in the cloud, accessible um, from wherever you are, so that folks can can manage and and have. In our case have visibility of what's going on in production, what's being worked on, what's what's not being worked on, right? And what your what your future is going to look like all wherever you are, whether it's in your home office or, yeah. or on site in the facility. I mean, COVID is uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, 
waning and uh, the people that uh, we have are in internal and admin staff um, they're just as happy working for home and what I find is and I'm not a, a for home working guy I'm in the uh, three years we've been going through COVID and I've been in the office almost every day um, not always wearing the yellow jacket <laughs> uh, but I'm almost in the office every day but everybody's working from home and what I find is that they're probably working more than an eight-hour day. They're putting in nine, ten hours. I see emails going out to uh, vendors at midnight, uh, at six in the morning, and so on. And in the morning, when I come in and I look at uh, the, the, our program, it's I saw all the activity that's gone on over the last twelve hours. Yeah. Well, you're you're saving folks having to commute, right? So there's. There's time savings they can spend more proactively, yeah. and uh, yeah, I find having my office in my home, right? Some sometimes you, you know, you're thinking about something in the living room and go, oh, gee, I should probably go do that, and you <laughs> run over to your office and get it done, like you say, right, maybe right. been done. Well, we also use iPhones in this part of the country. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So um, you mentioned a few moments ago about. Um, customers, manufacturers, and such that come to you with ideas to change, alter, improve uh, the program. And how uh, how much has that improved the program? Oh, a, a lot. I mean, we, we came up with an initial inception to have, you know, real-time priorities of production. And, and quite honestly, some of the... Um, you know, it was it was mostly initially designed for job shops, kind of machine shops who who may not be material heavy, right? So material visibility is nice to have, but typically they can, you know, within five days they can get the material they need, even even now, oftentimes. But it's the companies where they they're doing an assembly operation. They have literally hundreds of materials that have to come together at one time. Right. So um, so that was actually an enhancement from a client was to within the priorities see on my priorities, which ones um, I have shortages on. And it's actually, um, uh, they called it a, uh, an, an indicator light. So it's, 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 it's green, yellow, or red. Green means I don't have any shortages, I'm good to go. Yellow means I've got some and red means everything's short. So you better really look at that one. Color coding works great. We have it as well. Uh, so that, that's always a good enhancement. Uh, you, you don't have to really think, just oh, yellow. Oh, I got a problem. Is that right. you go through all of the uh, aspects of what the problem is. Uh, so how long does it take uh, if a customer manufacturer wants to get involved with your program? How long does it take to get them involved? And how much training is there involved? Yeah, great question. Um, we have clients who've gone live, meaning um, we tie into their ERP, um, pull information out, we transform it in such a way to develop, create the priorities in real time, publish those out into production. So from the point we say go to where the priorities are being published out in production, about 45 days. So that's, a, that's aggressive. More typically, it's somewhere between 60 and 90. Um, but oftentimes um, uh, it, it can be as, as soon as 45 days. One of, the, one of the big tasks we have 
is to make sure that the production folks understand the prioritization method and believe in it and, and buy into it, right? We actually have a Modern Machine Shop article that one of the editors there at Modern Machine Shop wrote a few years ago about one of our clients. And uh, we had published the priorities They had big screen TVs and workstations all throughout the shop with the priorities being displayed, but nothing, nothing changed. Their on-time delivery was the same, the lead times were the same. So about six weeks went by and we kind of poked at and said, you know, gee, what's, what's happening here? Well, we, we dove in a little deeper and realized that the, the key production folks weren't bought in. They, they were still prioritizing using their, their spreadsheets, right? So we said, okay, let's, let's restart here. Got them, got them involved, had an, another training session, um, had them under, actually buy into it. And, um, and then actually several months later, they came um, with the owners, they came to a manufacturing trade show and actually spoke um, at, at a breakout session with me talking about the, uh, the benefits of the, of the, uh, of the approach. That sort of reminds me, as a side story, reminds me of when All Metals and Forge Group applied for ISO 9000. And of course, any change in any operation is always traumatic. And uh, you, you get a lot of, lot of pushback. You know, like, why, why do we have to do this? Yeah. So when we uh, implemented ISO and, you know, a lot of pushback. A lot of pushback, mm -hmm. uh, particularly from the sales department. Mm. And the, the day that we got our certificate in the mail, that afternoon, uh, one of our salespeople gets a call from one of his clients and says, are you familiar with ISO 9000? <laughs> yes. And he said, well, I have a job. I won the job, but I, I have to buy it from an ISO registered company and I nice. can't find anybody. Oh, wow. And nice. uh, this salesman X said, we just got our certificate today. He says, great, get me the price and here's the purchase order number. Right after that, all of a sudden, everybody's into it. Awesome, yeah. We've been ISO since 1994. That's terrific. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. We did the same thing recently, only with ISO 27001. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is an information security management system that a software company like us implements to ensure our, our clients who are using a cloud-based application that's up on, WAM, up on Amazon, Amazon GovCloud, so it's very secure for ITAR folks. But it's ensuring, too, that we are operating our company and, and the management of the software per ISO standards as well. Uh, we right now are looking into, and actually we've gone more into looking into it, and that's NIST 800-171, which is cybersecurity when you're dealing with the Department of Energy and the Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's quite a process. And actually, ISO uh, takes you well into the NIST 800-171 world. Yep. So it's not quite as uh, uh, work intensive and so on. So we're, yep. we're looking into that. 
I think there's a tremendous any any certification level of that nature gets gets you certainly a really good head start. Of course, we all eventually will all have CMMC coming, right? Which is quite quite stringent, from what I understand. Sure, so. it is. It is, and it, uh, NIST eight hundred one seventy one is a part of that same process. So, but um, well, this is uh, really fabulous. And uh, uh, do you get many referrals from your customers to other customers? We do, um, and uh, we encourage that. Right where we have a, a client who may have suppliers who aren't delivering to them as quite on time as as they'd like, um, right. and uh, yeah, we've we've had quite a few referrals that way good source as you know the best customer is a referred customer absolutely you don't have to sell him he's already sold from the guy down the block absolutely right so any parting words uh mark before we uh, wrap up this session I appreciate the opportunity, Lou. Um, if um, anyone's listening is uh, working with a manufacturing company uh, and and you're struggling with um, the traditional scheduling model, you're you, you're struggling with the the late problem the, the we port. call it, right? Yeah. Um, feel feel free to reach out um, if, if you're not ready to see software or talk about them at whatever. Um, be happy to chat about your specific challenges and. Uh, see if there's anything um anything that makes let's sense. throw that url out there again for the late uh, the late comers yes uh so uh uh lilyworks www.lilyworks.com mark if you have any uh new stuff coming up down the road uh additions to what you're doing with lilyworks uh or any other uh manufacturing related uh issues uh, I don't want to see you come out with a new software program called Digital Clipboard, because then <laughs> you and I may have some words about that. But I think so. Again, but again, thank you very much for joining us today. Good luck, and uh, we'll be in touch with you at some point down the road. Thanks so much for uh, having me today, Lou. Enjoy it. Thank you. Everyone, uh, thank you for all listening and tuning in to uh, uh, Lily works and uh, Marcus, uh, a bright guy, even though he didn't create all this, his father did. Uh, what was your father's name, by the way? Richard. Dick. Richard, Richard Lily. Uh, so I just want to mention that uh, we've got uh, five podcasts all about manufacturing. So why don't you tune in on a regular basis? Uh, you can check us out at Jacket Media Co., uh, you'll recognize us by our yellow jackets, um, and uh, or you can go to manufacturingtalkradio.com. We also have uh, manufacturingoutlook.com, which is an e-zine. It's all about manufacturing, uh, free subscription. If you want to go there and get a subscription, if you want to write an article for us about what you do and what your company does, uh, we're more than willing to entertain that. Uh, Mark, uh, that is, goes for you as well. Uh, oh, you're going to be at Fabtech. I wanted to mention that. Thank you. Yeah, I'll, uh, I've got a speaking engagement at Fabtech. Um, and uh, uh, look forward, we'll have a booth there as well. So yeah, if you're there, feel free to stop by. Fabtech is at Atlanta, Georgia this year. Uh, actually, I think it starts on election day. It does. Which it is does, kind yeah. of uh, 
a little awkward. A little awkward. So I'm not going. Uh, but I have, I do have somebody within our organization that's going to be there. Um, I'm, I'm just a little chicken, so I'm not going to be in Atlanta during Fabtech. But it's going to be there from uh, November 8th through 10. That's right. At, at the um, Congress, the convention there, center there, yeah, there downtown. I'm sure you yeah. can't miss it. So everybody tune in and listen to us in, in future shows. And if you're in Atlanta, go see Mark at uh, Lily Works at the Fabtech Show. Thank you very much, everyone. Enjoyed being here. Thanks, Lynn. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.